Let us pray. God of joy, whose good news often comes in strange packages, settle our hearts, steady our breathing, help us to rest in you as we ponder your sacred story. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our minds be acceptable in your sight. Amen. I will say that this morning I saw my sermon title and thought, oh right, that's what I plan to preach about. <laughs> um, there's nothing about the shortest and sweetest of songs in my sermon, but I can tell you that's the title of a George MacDonald poem that consists of two words, come home. So you're not going to hear that again. Holy Spirit moved in a different direction. Week after week, the Advent lectionary texts read by Christian churches all around the world catch us by surprise. We've been conditioned by our culture to expect something else this time of year, something a little less political than the victory song of Zephaniah. Something a little more festive than the fiery preaching of John the Baptist. The fact of the matter is this. The season of Advent, theologically speaking, has more in common with the season of Lent than with the merriment of cultural Christmas. Advent is a time of restraint and reflection repentance, and renewal. And unlike in Lent, when we at least get to watch the days lengthen into spring, Advent has us lighting candles against an encroaching darkness. Of course, woven into the most harrowing of Advent texts are promises of hope and peace and joy and love. It's not all hellfire and damnation, but it is a little hellfire and damnation, right when our ears long to hear jingle bells and angel song. And still, week after week, we encounter good news. This week, we hear the voices of two prophets, Zephaniah and John. Prophets say what no one wants to hear, what no one wants to believe, writes Pastor Deborah Block. Prophets point in directions no one wants to look. They hear God when everyone else has concluded. God is silent. They see God where no one else would guess that God is present. They feel God. Prophets feel God's compassion for us, God's anger with us, God's joy in us. They dream God's dreams and utter wake-up calls. They hope God's hopes and announce a new future. They will God's will and live it against all odds. Prophets sing God's song. 
and sometimes interrupt the program with a change of tune. I suspect part of this description of the prophetic vocation sounds good to us, and part of it doesn't sound so good. We like to ponder God's compassion and joy. We prefer not to contemplate God's anger. As for the tendency for prophets to interrupt the program, most of us cannot bear the inconvenience of even holy interruptions. But while the words might feel jarring to our ears, John the Baptist is one biblical prophet who lets the people come to him. His is a voice that cries out from the wilderness. He sets up camp by the Jordan River, and people flock to him to hear his exhortations and to receive his baptism. They leave the comfort of their homes and willingly place themselves under the authority of a man who calls them a brood of vipers and challenges them to repent and live differently. And these people don't get defensive and walk away. They ask for more. The gathered crowd is thirsty for direction, yearning for counsel. Even the tax collectors and soldiers ask John that plaintive question, what should we do? All told, it's repeated three times in the text. And each time, John offers words of wisdom. According to one biblical interpreter, instead of accumulating, share with others what you have. Instead of being indifferent or selfish, don't be shellfish either. That would be very strange. <laughs> instead of being indifferent or selfish, show consideration and compassion. Instead of taking advantage and preying on the vulnerable, be satisfied with what you have and treat others fairly and with dignity, even if you work for the empire. Year after year, the prophets of Advent remind us that we do not merely journey toward a nostalgic retelling of the nativity story on Christmas Eve or a cozy Christmas morning filled with matching pajamas and cinnamon rolls. Now, to be clear, I love a nostalgic retelling of the nativity story, and I love a cozy Christmas morning, even if I've never quite managed to outfit my family in matching pajamas. But this story is ever and always about more than that. This faith is ever and always about more than that. Hear these words from a modern prophet. John the Baptist's good news sounds harsh, but he preaches a home for all, where inequities are banished, valleys are lifted up, and all have the resources they need to flourish. Ultimately, John's message is 
one of joy. We are called to collectively build and repair the structures of our society. We are called to be kingdom builders. Wherever we build, God is there. What we build should be a place with a large table and room for all. A large table and room for all. That sounds familiar. It is, after all, the vision that is the foundation for our ongoing conversations about what it might mean to establish a covenant of inclusion and become an open and affirming congregation. To be perfectly honest, I was not really planning on bringing up that up today in this sermon. I obviously think it's a profoundly important process of prayer, discernment, learning, and conversation for our church. And I have been so grateful for the graceful engagement we have experienced together so far. I just hadn't seen how it was germane to this particular text. But as we acknowledged, prophets sometimes interrupt the program with a change of tune. When I quoted that, I was not expecting this sermon to be interrupted. But on Friday night, I was sitting at my kitchen table wondering how I could quickly tie a nice red bow at the end of a sermon I'd already warned Rich would probably be forgettable. But now that I've told us not to be shellfish, I think we might remember it. I remembered that our Advent series, Close to Home, came with a poem for each week. I hoped maybe the poem for this morning might make for a perfect, tidy conclusion. Friends, the poem surprised and moved me. It does not make for a tidy conclusion, but it does make for a prophetic surprise. So hear these words by the Reverend Sarah Speed, entitled Advocating for Home, and dedicated with love to all who identify as transgender or non-binary. I know you don't feel at home in your body. Your clothes don't feel right. Your bones don't feel right. Your name just a word that people have labeled you with. I see the way you try on pronouns like I try on clothes, looking for something, anything, that feels right. And what I would give to build you a shelter, a safe space where you could be, a home where you were safe and free what I would give to carve out some room for you to process and grieve and dance and sing your way into your true self. But I know it's not that easy. My hands cannot build you safety. My words cannot give you time. My heart cannot be home enough. So until the day when you are truly at home, I will keep marching for you, 
I will keep advocating for the home you deserve, the home in your own skin. I will keep praying. I will give you my second coat and the shirt off my back and the food from my table. I won't give up on preparing the way. A voice is calling out in the wilderness. Do you hear it? There's more for us here than has been before. There's more for us here than has been before. May it all be so, friends. Amen.